We're going backwards in our journey as a church a little bit in review, and I'm super excited to do this because we're going to do the same in our study of the book of Ezra. And in fact, on a personal note, I'm going back today 35 years from this day when I made my vows of promise to marry my wife and be faithful to her, and she did the same for me, and so today we celebrate 35 years together. So happy anniversary, Amos. Thank you. Thank you. When you came in today, we gave you a bulletin that was loaded with a lot of extra information today, but it's very important, and I'm going to talk about all of that stuff in just a moment. But before we do that, I want us to go back to the book of Ezra because it's so critical for us to understand the context of what we're doing here today as a church. If you're a guest with us today, not only have we been studying in the book of Ezra to see one of the greatest revivals in the entire Bible, but we also are, are as a church celebrating some things today and giving a review of where are we as a church because we have been in the process of anticipating God to allow us to build a, a church building of our own across the street, directly across from the high school, and we're trusting God for that to happen soon. So in the same manner that I want to recount through the first three chapters of the book of Ezra very quickly this morning, I also want to recount some things for our church and bring us up to speed of where are we right now. It's interesting when you study the book of Ezra in these first three chapters and just take a snapshot overview of the whole thing. And here's what you discover. More than half of the verses are dealing with almost like an inventory list. It's an inventory list of people, of things, of blessings. And then there's some commentary in between about all of that, of course. And so I'm going to do the same for us today. I want us to look at what God is doing and the fact that as God would record for us in history a book that is going to last for all of eternity, the Word of God, that He would choose to account for all of these physical things and even people by name so distinctly that went back to rebuild this temple. I find it fascinating that God would choose to seemingly burn up uh, pages of Scripture with an inventory list of gold and silver and horses and mules and things of that nature. It's like, does that really matter? Well, you have to answer the question then at the same time is, does what we do today matter as a church to come together and, and discuss what God is doing and has done in our church? And of course, we sing about God's faithfulness. We trust God to take us upon waters that are tough. And we, we look at God and say, God, you have been faithful and consistent through all these days. You have fulfilled your promises one after the other. And so significant was the fact of the wondrous mystery that the Lord Jesus Christ would come from heaven to earth to give His life for ours. It is a fulfillment of a promise made by God. And so we know that our God is faithful, righteous, and true. And so when we go to the Scriptures, we can be secure in what God is doing in our lives and uh, the promises that He obviously has made to us. In the book of Ezra chapter 1, I want to go back and remind us of a few things of how God stirs the heart of man and how man responds. And this was kind of the initial onset of this revival taking place. It originally happened because God stirred the heart of Cyrus, the king of Persia. And when God stirred up his heart, Cyrus wrote a decree that gave permission for all of the Jews to go back to Israel and specifically back to Jerusalem and begin this construction project. And not only did he give them permission, but he also gave permission for resources to be granted from throughout the realm and the kingdom. 
But he also encouraged the people that as your, as your fellow citizens are going back, uh, fund them with the resources necessary to build and to take care of things. And so in Ezra chapter 1, verse 5, I want you to see how God then moved not only among Cyrus, but among the people, the heads of the fathers' houses of Judah and Benjamin and the priests and the Levites, with all those whose spirits God had moved, arose to go up and build the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem. This is really key to understanding the whole book. Because God moved among people, and people then responded to God's movement. Now, I don't know what God's doing in your life right now, but it's fair for you to take that inventory to, to discern what is God speaking into my life about right now. Maybe there's kind of in this season, God's teaching you some things and speaking into your heart. He may be challenging you to maybe endeavor into some areas of ministry or uh, adventure in, a, in employment. There's things that are brewing in your heart. And you know God's prompting that thing and maybe you have already uh, taken some steps upon that and I, I'm thankful for that with you. But we know that the Spirit of God convicts. We know He draws. We know that He is the one who directs. He's the one who prompts you sometimes. Some of you have probably experienced this even in the recent days where maybe God prompted you with the thought of another person that you then reached out to them by text, by a card, by a phone call or whatever. And when they, when they respond on the other end, they're like, I am so thankful that you reached out because you have no idea... Uh, what's going on, and you didn't. You had no idea. But it was the Spirit of God that prompted you to do that. I think about it, it reminds me of a couple of years ago, and I've waited to tell this story in a public setting, but a couple of years ago, we had a, an individual come and visit our church that had planned that to be her last day on this planet. She was planning that afternoon to take her life. And she came to one community church numb, cold, dark, with no plans of continuation. Not feeling anything, but then somebody on our hospitality team was so discerning, I believe by the prompt of the Spirit of God, introduced, was kind, and just said, are you okay? Can I, you look like you need a hug. And that hug saved that lady's life. She said, I, I felt something again. I felt I had value. I felt warmth. I felt life. And she made a decision to continue. That's the prompting of the Spirit sometimes where God just in that moment says something to you and you know it. You take an action step not knowing what's really going on, but God told you to do it. That saved somebody's life. Never minimize those promptings of the Spirit and certainly don't blow them off. I realize sometimes maybe there's a fear that comes with God in His promptings because maybe you're fearful that maybe He's going to prompt me to do something I'm not comfortable to do or I don't really want to do that. And then if I don't do that, I'll feel guilty for not doing that and then maybe I'll even be disobedient and get, I'll have to suffer the consequences for my disobedience. Well... Let me encourage you with something today. If that's your heart, is a heart of fearfulness because God's going to prompt you to do something you don't really want to do. If all I can do today is just remind you to say that God is faithful and that God gave His life for yours. 
And then maybe today God would stir in your soul to say, you know, Lord, I am willing to do whatever, whenever, wherever that you would call me to do. And I lay my life down before you. You bought and paid for me by the blood of Jesus Christ and therefore I am yours. (laughs) And I know you are mine. You know, it was a few years back when God prompted us Four and a half years ago, nearly five now, when God prompted us to launch out and start One Community Church, and many of you in this room were a part of that. God prompted your heart. The Spirit moved you. Since then, many have been added to our church. Since that time, God has birthed vision. So what are we about? We recognize needs and opportunities all throughout our community. God keeps connecting us throughout the world to other places. But God birthed some vision in our heart for how we can fill in the gaps in our community. We recognize that in the county, especially Eastern Green, Webster, Christian County, there's just a lot of uh, uh, gaps with filling in for people's needs and ways to serve our community. And God has continued to show us and give us vision for that. Through that, we obviously planned on our own church building. And God gave us an opportunity to buy the property across the street. We all know that. That land wasn't for sale. But when we went and visited with the people who own it, I believe God went before us and gave them a desire to see a church there. And when we shared the vision of what we believe God would have us use that property for, they embraced that vision and said, yes, we've desired something like that for this community for a long time. And so God, we saw God working and God continuing to, to show us the plan. But there's so much we still don't know. But I love that part of the faith journey as God gives us these glimpses, birth vision in our heart. We run with what we know. And yet God has so much more than we could ever even see. Much to trust God for. Well, in this prompting, God has now moved in the lives of, lives of people in our study of the book of Ezra. They picked up and left Iraq. They headed back to Jerusalem to begin this construction project. In the next set of scriptures, we see how God inventories every person and every gift that was given. Sometimes we might even feel like this is tedious in terms of Bible study, but in Ezra chapter 1, I'm reminded of the fact that it was Cyrus who brought the treasurer out And this treasure then counted uh, the items that were then given to the prince of Judah. And they took an inventory, handed it all off. And then it gives you the number of all of the number of the gold platters and the silver and the knives and the gold basins. And all this inventory list was now given. Well, then you get to chapter two and nearly the entire chapter is a chapter of people's names of people that were faithful to go back. And God records that for us. But at the end of that chapter as well, there's another inventory list of more things. This time it's, it's uh, horses and it's mules and how many golden and silver vessels once again and all of these things that were given by uh, the individuals who went or by those who were sending them back to go. Well, then you get to chapter 3. And the heart of the gift was this, as people established an altar and wanted to see sacrifices be made once again because it's the way they interacted with God was through sacrifice and giving animals and sacrificing animals unto the Lord. 
But here was the point, is this started to be something that was happening on a daily basis. It was a free will offering that was made unto God. There was no coercion, no manipulation. This was a group of people who just wanted to worship God and get back to the space where God's name was glorified through that building that would eventually be built. But God not only records the stirring of people, He records all of the inventory in this, but then also He lets us see the glimpse behind the curtain, and that's the heart behind it all. And this is the part that intrigues me the most, is how God lets us see the heart of the individuals. In chapter 1, verse 6, and He said, all those who were around them encouraged them with articles of silver and gold, with goods and livestock and precious things, besides all that was willingly offered. There's your heart attitude. It was just a willful offering. In chapter 2, we see once again that some of the heads of the Father's houses, when they came to the house of the Lord, which is in Jerusalem, offered freely for the house of God to erect in its place according to their ability. This is important because by doing this according to their ability, they gave to the treasury. They're not asked to be doing something outside of their scope. It was according to their ability. In chapter 3, it says that in verse 5, that those of everyone who willingly offered a free will offering. We go to the next verse. It says, from the first day of the seventh month, they began to offer burnt offerings to the Lord, although the foundation of the temple of the Lord had not been laid. I liken this to so many of you that have been faithful even giving to a project that has not really come out of the ground yet. You haven't seen any dirt move. The foundation hasn't been laid, but there's a, a, a lot of steps involved in the behind the scenes and you've been faithful to give to that. And I'm going to walk you through that in just a minute. But in verse 7 it says, They also gave money to the masons and the carpenters and food and drink and oil to the people of Sidon and Tyre to bring cedar logs from Lebanon to the sea to Joppa according to the permission which they had from Cyrus, king of Persia. This is kind of a cool part of the story, but you're in the seventh month of the first year and then in a second we're going to see in the second month of the second year. So several months goes by. Well, what happened in between? Well, one of the things that happened was they were acquiring materials for the project. So several months happened. In fact, they even send out um, um, money and resources to Tyre and Sidon, which is in Lebanon, in order for these massive cedar trees to be cut down, and then they would take them to this Mediterranean Sea, and they would float them down and then transport them over to Jerusalem. This was the same way that Hiram had done it whenever Solomon built the temple originally. And all this took time, a lot of time. And I liken this to the spot that we're in because it feels like sometimes a, a building project for a church takes forever. <laughs> it's like we, we've been talking about it, we pray about it, we've given to it. Where's the building? Well, that's a great question. And so that's what we want to talk about today. I want to celebrate the faithfulness of God and I want to walk you through the very things we just did in a moment in the book of Ezra as a summary of how we can summarize the first three chapters of our study and watch God stir the hearts of people, inventory, and at the same time, then let us get a glimpse into the fact of the heart behind the matter. In your bulletin today, I want to take the time to walk us through all this and let us see what God's doing. I want to direct you first to the piece that says the J July financial update. Now, if you're a guest with us today, I'm just kind of inviting you into the living room of one community church and we're just going to share all of our personal finances with you and we don't mind one bit. Normally, this would be felt or would be seen in a church business meeting 
but uh, th we're here to do the Lord's business. I think about the fact that in Ezra chapter 3, do you remember the people gathering together as one man? Well, today as a church, we gather together as one. And so we're going to talk about what God's doing in our church. We've gone through half of a year for July 20, or through July, or June, uh, June 30th, 2023. And so I want you to notice on the front of our financials that uh, we have received now $393,000. Well, obviously our budget doesn't require that. We had actual expenses um, a little greater than our budget, and the reason for that is because we prepay a lot of things. There's a lot of stuff happens in a church that you normally would uh, pay for over the course of a year, but we've already done that in the first six months, and that expense won't be seen again in the next half, so that's just why that works. But at the end of the day, we have a, nearly $100,000 in the bank greater than we started with this year, of the revenue greater than expenses. Man, praise God for that. That's faithfulness of the church family just giving week in and week out to the work of the ministry. One of my favorite lines ever in a financial update is where are we at in missions? That's always the first page I go to when I get the financial reports. How are we doing with our missions? Because it speaks to the heart of our church. In the first six months of one community church this year, we've already given $100,000 in missions. That's money that goes out to local partners that we monthly support, to foreign uh, missionaries that we support monthly, special projects, all kinds of things that we talk about all the time. But that is an incredible number. And that number is inside of the expenses that we have recorded for this year already. We also have on hand $538,000 in our building fund. That is an incredible thought. When I, and you've got to capture this. A year and a half ago when we bought that land across the street, it cost us $430,000 and we spent about four years saving for that land and we pay cash for it. In the last year and a half, we've now accumulated another $538,000 to go towards the building. Praise God for that. Amen to God's faithfulness. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Now, as we get to the back side of this page, I'd like to kind of walk us through our history and where we are today. If you remember back in the fall, we had our Bold Faith campaign and we spent several weeks preparing as a church to walk in bold faith. And there was more to that than money. Matter of fact, the drivers behind it were really about our ministry in sharing our faith, our ministry of prayer, our ministry of discipleship, and how we were going to engage the nations. That was the, really the bigger issue. But obviously, we want to do that from a, a location, and we need to establish our own place. We proposed at that time a building that was really a bigger building that was a um, 22,000 square foot facility. It would have provided us with classroom spaces of all kinds and our main core of our building unit. But it was a scalable construction plan so that um, we can add to it in the future or if we needed to subtract some things away, then we could do that as well. Well, as time progressed and we finally got an estimate for that particular project, the estimated cost of that was outside the scope of what we felt like we could accomplish at this time. We went through a process where everyone that chose to made a commitment on commitment cards uh, to give monthly, weekly, once a year, whatever. But we took the sum total of those commitments and be able to derive, okay, well, what can we genuinely as a church, what can we afford and sustain our values the way that they are? 
because we, we value our ministry partners, how we do missions, and how we respond to the community because needs arise all the time. We want to do that. We've been doing that, and we don't want to stop doing that. So there's, a, there's some boundaries that we have to establish for that. So our commitment that we made back in November of last year on a three-year commitment scale was $665,000. That's over the span of three years. Well, I want to tell you that obviously through today, we've just in this calendar year, we've received $100,000 of those commitments, which is fantastic. It's right on pace of what we would be anticipating for those commitments. So those of you that made those commitments, thank you for being faithful to that. That commitment card process was crucial, probably more than I even realized at the time. Because as we go to banking institutions and they look at the scope of our project, they look at your plans for your building, they look at the land, they look at all of your resources, and they look at those commitments. Now they weigh that in a more significant way than I might have realized in the beginning. And so that's one of the things we want to talk about again today. And I want to first of all say thank you. Thank you, church, because of the fact that you've made commitments and have fulfilled them because our bank that we're working with has been watched. They watch the tracking of that, too. They see the faithfulness. So it establishes our capacities going forward. It also has given us a very clear path of what can we do. And so it has given us a, a bank that is, as a matter of fact, there were multiple that were thrilled to do business with us, but it's given us a bank that we can do business with. And... Um, and a, and a clear path forward. Now let me talk today about this launch word. Today what we want to do is talk about the facility that we've actually received hard quotes on, and that's the renderings you've seen out in the atrium. You've also got the brochure in your hand today that shows pictures of what we're anticipating. This facility that we're talking about is a 17,000 square foot building. That means that, as you know, it has, from the drawings, it has a gymnasium, which is our mating space that's going to be used every day, plus Sundays, obviously. It's the, it will have a nice atrium to get us in, classrooms for little ones, and some serving um, capacities for kitchen space. You can see all that on the drawings we've given to you. When we originally had these quotes back after the first of the year, even on a 17,000-foot building, it was still outside the scope of what we felt like we were ready to do. And so our contractor has gone back and received really hard quotes from people on this project. And I will tell you another great blessing, all this behind-the-scenes stuff, we have contractors and suppliers and vendors that have offered either goods or services discounted or in some cases for free on our facility as we go forward. And so a lot of those things has helped drive the cost down into a range that we're, we feel is acceptable or where we feel like we can do this. So the contractor bid for this project, you can see it on your page, is just over $3 million. In order to be wise as you do a building project, we, we feel like we need to add at least 10% to that for contingencies. And so we're, we're planning for that as well. In addition, we had a, an interesting situation here. When we bought that acreage across the street, we sat down with the owners and discussed with them all of their plans for their property because they're selling off all of their property in due time. 
And we mentioned to them, hey, if that five acres to the west of our property, so not on the facing 125, but on the backside, if that five acres was available, or let's say this, if someone was trying to purchase that, we would love to have the first right of refusal on that so we can decide if that's something we would want to consider. Well, another party has come and expressed significant interest in that property. And so they notified me, and as we requested, and I appreciate and the honor there, and so we've come to a spot where we have to analyze this as a team and say, hey, is that a good plan to go ahead and grab that five acres while we can? We realize it's one of those conversations you're sitting there thinking, okay, 15 years from now, will we be sitting around a table going, man, I can't believe we had a chance to do that and we didn't do it. But on the flip side, if we're 15 years down the road and we conclude, we don't really need that five acres. I got a hunch we could sell it, but... Um, the question is, is, or the plan is for us, is then to purchase that five acres. Now, here's the benefit to this. Our bank said they would bundle, they will bundle the price of that land purchase into the construction portion of our loan, which means we're basically buying it for the down payment price, not the whole cash price. Does that make sense? Normally, you just do a down payment on something. Well, they're going to allow us to do that by just bundling the whole thing into one loan package which I, I think would be really wise for us. So with all of that to say, this total project, by the time you buy the land, build the building with contingencies and the extra five acre piece, this is a $3.9 million project. Well, let me just tell you some of the incredible news here. We already paid for the land, which was over $400,000. We already have about $500,000 sitting in the bank ready for this project. So by definition, on a, I'm going to just use, let me work around numbers, it's faster. On a $4 million project, we have a million dollars. That equals 25% down on the project. That is amazing. That meets any banking type standard that you would want to consider. But here's the thing. As a stewardship team and as a church, we look at our values, we look at our ministry, and we say, you know, Though we could go borrow $3 million to do everything we're talking about, is that the best decision for one community church? And our stewardship team, the trustees, came to an agreement together. They prayed through this and talked through this that, to establish a debt ceiling. That in order for us to be able to continue to do ministry the way we believe God would have us to do ministry, it is a faith step no matter which step we take, this is a huge faith step to trust God for these resources, but we do not feel it's in our best interest to borrow $3 million. And so, well, now we've, we, we've come up short. Yes, let me explain what that means. In order to meet the objectives that I think is the smartest move for us and our, our team, I say me, but it's our team has said this, here's our stewardship objectives. First, we have an emergency fund for our church. That would just be wise. Everybody should. If you don't have one, you need to fund one at your house. But if we are going to build something, we need to expand our emergency fund that would be equivalent to our potential expenses that go with that. So we need to, we need to stretch that out. So we're going to add some money to the emergency fund. 
we already have, or we would like to make a cash down payment of 800,000. Well, you can see how much we are currently have, but we want to get to that number. In the past, we made commitments of $665,000 over three years, but what we're trusting God for is making commitments that would equal about 700000 That would meet our debt ceiling requirements or our ambitions, I'll put it that way, that we feel like as a church we can accomplish the construction project, we can accomplish ministry the way God has given us to do, and we want to continue doing that. Now, as we talk through this, what we're asking for over the next couple of weeks is for those of you who have already made commitments, you did this back in November, you turned in a card. We're asking you to do that again, but it doesn't mean, hey, why don't you double it? Now, if you choose to, that's your choice, but we're not asking you to double. We're asking you to reaffirm that commitment. And here's why. It's because our bank is willing to structure our loan going forward based on those commitments. This is a big deal. And by taking that, it makes it the loan and such that uh, without all the details about it, it makes it like two parts. We have a part that meets the commitments that we make and then the rest. So this is super, super helpful as a church if we make these commitments together. And so... If you made a commitment, Amy and I did this back in November. We filled out a card, we put it in the box, and we made that commitment. I'm going to do the same thing again, recognizing that this commitment card supersedes the one before. I call this a launch card because this really is launching us forward to actually begin the process of being able to do this construction project. So what is, you know, if you're not into numbers, you're probably sitting there thinking, hang all this, Dwayne, just tell us what do we need to do here. All right. Quick summary, we are desiring to receive another cash, more cash to be able to put down on our facility and to renew our commitments together. And maybe you haven't made a commitment to this project yet and you would like to be a part. This is a, <clears throat> a three-year commitment, but you have ways you can do this on a weekly, monthly, or even annually. And it will be, we will take the sum total of that and consider that under the three-year commitment umbrella. Now you say, well, Dwayne, I've already given six months of my commitment. Okay, then you factor the numbers according to the next two and a half years if you want to, or I'm going to take mine and go three more from here because I know that's what it's going to require. As we can all experience in the culture we live in, inflation stinks. The interest rates have gone up and everything from where we started at has, has just blossomed. But it hasn't changed the scope of the, our need to be able to build our facility and use that as a tool to reach the nations. This is critical for us as a church. And we've come to a great spot. We've got a lot of resources already accumulated. We've got uh, a lot of people in the community that are helping us to accomplish this. But this is where we are. And so my request, or here's my ask. It's a very direct one. I want to ask you to pray. That's number one. I've been asking the Lord to stir our hearts for what He would have us to do for quite a long time. And I believe He has done that. It's been affirmed over and over. But asking for that, 
fresh stirring of the Spirit of God that we would all distinctly see what is God doing in our family and how do we want to invest in God's kingdom work through this facility. But in addition, I want to ask you to pray about that, of what would God have you to do. And then over the next couple of Sundays, we would like to receive, if possible, these um, launch cards, but also if you're willing and able and do according to your ability. Please do not go swipe a credit card. Don't do that. But according to your ability, if God would grant that you would um, be able to give to this project right now, it would just enable us to move along faster. To give you perspective here, by carefully managing a budget the way we do, every year we end up with overage of more money came in than what we spent. If everyone just remains faithful to the commitments we made back in November, I can tell you that over the course of the next few months, we will eventually have that cash for that down payment if we just wait. And that's fine. But what I'm putting in front of you today is how can we get this moving? And that's what we're talking about today in terms of a launch. How can we move along with this project in the near term? My ask for the new card does not require your name. Please don't put your name on there. Bank doesn't care about that. We just need to know the structure and the manner in which you may choose to give. When you give these cards, you'll just simply put them in the offering box that's just outside these doors and put them out there. You can do that today over the next couple of weeks. That would be great. Here's how this will work for us. We will take these. We will sum total all of what has been promised or committed to and we deliver that number to our banking institution and they then will then structure a loan that is suitable to match that. And it will be a huge, huge help in terms of the overall scope of our project. I think by listening to all of you, we've all seen pictures, we're excited. We've got timestamps in front of us because we recognize the, the gaps in our community, the need to be ministering to young people and to elderly people in our community and all the vision we have sh um, shared many times about how would God allow us to use a facility and this is what we believe God's got for us to do. And so now it's just how is God going to stir and how will we respond to God's stirring? So just know this from me, as you all know this. I don't speak about money unless it's time for an annual or semi-annual review or unless it's in the context of the scripture. Today I want to share this with you because I think we need to be all on the same page and talking about the same things. We need to be realistic to the time frames. I want to tell you that there's a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes with documentation and engineering and paperwork and requests for this and seeking out that. It, it's nonstop. So there's a lot going on in a good way. But I want us today to call time out right now and we need to say thank you to the Lord. Will you just take a a moment to consider what God has done in a short time in one community church. It's nothing but miraculous. It's supernatural. We're a small group of people that God has chosen to use to do much. And now God has laid it on our hearts to take another great step of faith. So we want to stop and say, thank you, Lord. We also want to say, Lord, here am I. Send me. Use me. Lord, what would, how would you like to use me in a channel of blessing? Because that's what our lives are intended to be, is 
God and His supernatural work in our lives, and He just uses us as a channel of blessing to accomplish His mission and purpose. We don't have to try to muster all this up on our own. No, just avail yourself to the work of God. And then be bold. Bold in faith. I don't know about you, but I can't see three years down the road, so making a commitment to something that's this year, next year, and the next. Amy and I laugh about that because we made some commitments for this year to this project as well. Well, I didn't plan the year thinking I was going to total my car, but we did. And then I was going to have another couple of big mega expenses involved in some things around our home and vehicles and everything else. But we did. And you know what you find out? God's faithful. He's just faithful. And it's just been a blessing to be able to be used as a channel of blessing. And so I want to invite us as a church to just open up our hands. It's one of our values. Just be open-handed and say, God, use me as you see fit. But open our hearts to say, Lord, I want to be used that way. As a quick reminder, if you've done the what card thing before, if you did a commitment card back in the fall, we're asking you to do that again now, in the next couple of weeks, okay? We're asking you to do this again. No name, just the card, because this allows us to take this from here forward and allow our banking institution to help us the best way possible to facilitate this project the quickest way possible. Our trustees, their name is in this packet today. Charlie, I see you standing in the corner and wave. Thank you. Doug Page, stand up if you would. Waving's not good enough, thanks. <laughs> John George, where are you? John's right over here. Yep. And Jay Hughes. Where's Jay? Jay's, you didn't stand, Jay. Sorry, there you go. <laughs> thanks. Thank you, Jay. These four guys are our trustees and manage these resources and collectively make these decisions that I get to come and talk about. They, let's appreciate them. They do a lot of stuff, guys. I've also asked for them to make themselves available today. Um, I would love to just do an open Q&A, but um, for time and uh, sake, that's probably not the easiest thing to do here. So those guys are going to be out by those um, pictures out in the atrium. So if you have any questions, ask them, and they can be sure to help you. Let's bow before the Lord and pray. Father in heaven, you know the heart of every person in this room today. You know what troubles our heart. You know what excites our heart. You know the state of our eternal being. Lord, you know if our heart is near to you or if it's far away. And Lord, I'm asking you through the power of the Holy Spirit today that you would draw us that close to you to abide with you. That, dear Father, today as a church that we would open ourselves to be stirred by your Spirit, to be used by you as you see fit. That we would literally be able to, with a blank slate before you, God, say, I am willing to do whatever, whenever, wherever, and allow you to fill in the blanks. Lord, I realize there may be folks in this room today that are not Christ followers yet, and the relationship that I'm describing is a, is a foreign idea. I pray, Lord, that through the, your Holy Spirit, that you would convict, that you would draw, that you would enlighten so that... And every, every one of us would know that Jesus Christ 
is the Savior. And He is the only one who can save us from our sin, having given His life on the cross in payment for our sin and raising from the grave and giving us life eternal by faith in Him. Thank You, Lord, for giving Your best, for giving Your all, that we may have life and life eternal. And Father, today as You stir our spirit, I pray that each of us would take inventory. As we inventory our lives before You, Lord, knowing that You know all the details. And Lord, we know You care about every detail, every individual person, every decision, our stewardship, how we handle things, You care. It's obviously intimately recorded in Scripture, so we know. And Lord, may You open our hearts today. Open our hearts to be channels of Your blessings. Where we get to see, God, You do supernatural things through resources maybe we don't even have. Because You are a God who does miraculous things. Through willing hearts. Through hearts of faith. We know that you are a rewarder of those who diligently seek after you. And so we ask God today that you would do a work in our hearts that only you can accomplish. Lord, we look forward to as a church um, coming back together as one and celebrating your great grace and seeing, God, how you will make provision that we can't even begin to understand. But we believe you will. Thank you for all the diligent work that's been done in the background already by so many. Thank you for those who have offered resources, who have offered to give supplies, who have given time. Thank you, Lord, for giving those people in our lives already. And we know that, God, you have more. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us uh, this time this morning we can come together and just celebrate your great grace. We get to count it, take inventory of it, but today is a testament of your grace. We thank you for it and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.